Welcome to our discussion segment. I'm John Streeter. And I'm Joe Parker. And today we're talking about Time and Attention, a short history of social media. Let's get started. How's it going? Going well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. So I really enjoyed reading this. This was kind of an interesting topic for me because even though I'm a historian, it's important to remember that history is being written every moment of every day and social media is really a part of that and it's going to be a very useful tool, maybe, for historians <laughs> at some point. Yeah. We'll see. I saw a uh, comedian on uh, on one of the news channels saying that Supreme Court justices, presidential candidates, people like that, in 20 years, 30 years, who went to high school during the social media age are going to have every bad selfie they've ever taken plastic all over their opponent's campaign ads. <laughs> Should be fun. Very, very true. Anyway, I've got a, got a clarification question and then uh, some deeper kind of conversations I want to have uh, about social media because I agree with you that it could, can be used for, for good or evil, I think is how you closed it out. You referenced uh, YouTube as being social media. I never considered YouTube to be Absolutely social is. media. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just sharing photos and status updates and things like that. It's, you know, just a video sharing site can be considered social media. Right. So a lot of people consider uh, reading to be cumbersome. <laughs> so, um, YouTube, Partially why we're doing these podcasts. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> On YouTube, a regular person can go and create a piece of content that could be just them sharing their opinion about a movie, them talking about their favorite comic book, mm -hmm. um, them talking about a bill that was just passed and uh, a Congress. Um, they don't need a production studio. They don't need their own channel. They can go on there and do that. And that's, that's how it was conceived. It's just like we want to crowdsource content from people and people just started to post stuff. Okay. And if you look at the earlier videos, the production value isn't as good, yeah. uh, but the content's still there. And so as these people continue to create content, the better they they just got better cameras, they got better sound equipment, all that stuff. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that the original goal for the people who invented YouTube or was that what Google turned it into when they bought YouTube and I think it was 2007? From what I understand, that, that was the goal when it was created. Now, Google's <laughs> management of YouTube has changed its overall purpose. Sure. Now they're reverting back to old school celebrities. They're investing in YouTube channels with, in fact, uh, last month they just announced a uh, grant that they were going to help with content creators. Like they were going to supply them with with cash to purchase new sound equipment, new cameras, all, all that okay. stuff to try and improve the quality. So it's becoming more of a production company almost? Right. Yeah. Okay. So they want right. to enable what they consider quality content to take priority over content that they would consider less quality. Interesting. Both okay. in content and creation. So okay. if your videos stink, they don't want to highlight them. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned in your podcast the uh, the Facebook controversy regarding uh, Cambridge Analytica and their involvement in the Trump campaign, or not involvement in, but their sharing of Trump content. And then you mentioned something about the uh, Obama campaign being involved in 2010 and 2011, 2012, in that campaign as well. I know this is not a political channel. We're not necessarily going to get into the ins and outs of Republican and Democratic politics. But do you think that Congress was less interested in what the Obama campaign did in 2012 versus what the Trump campaign did in 2016 because the Obama campaign did it better? Or do you think it was a partisan issue? You, know, like, not, you, had, that, you had that quote, I'm sorry, you had that quote from, what's her name, Carol Davidson, about how they basically looked at every with, human or yeah, every American. I mean, they worked with Facebook. Right. They had Facebook employees in their campaign headquarters right. in the White House. So do you think that's why nobody seemed to be interested, the media, Congress, uh, and yet in 2016, because they weren't working with a social uh, news site? or social media site that that was why they you know how can you do this yeah I, th I think it goes to a question of bias so I the everyone has a bias right everyone has an opinion whatever side of the aisle you fall on it does influence what you're doing uh, how you do it what you think all that so I think 
Facebook is a private company. I mean, it's publicly traded, but it's still a private company. It's not a, a utility. It's not a power company that people have to pay for. Yet. Fact, um, you know, it's a free service that people mistakenly believe is theirs. Like if you have your own Facebook page, that's my page. It's my information. It is absolutely not. Uh, you are leasing a space and everything that you put on there is part of that lease. So Facebook having its own bias, and, and this is speculative because I'm not familiar with every single thing that occurred mm-hmm. at those hearings and everything, uh, but based on the quotes and the bragging that that went on about how genius it was to work with these social media sites to harvest this information to get from, their authorization. From the Obama campaign. Right, yeah. right. It just seemed like, yeah, and as the quote says, just they, they agreed with what we were trying to say and what we were trying to push. So Facebook, as a private company, decided... It's in our best interest to perpetuate our own opinion. So we're siding with a group that does that. And so I think that Congress's hearings about Facebook and about this Zuckerberg scandal. Zuckerberg looking like an android. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zuckerberg. I think that was all showboating. It was just people showing off, showboating. It was apparent that the Congress had no idea how social media worked. Oh, my God. And it was, I uh, watched every minute of that. <laughs> it was hilarious. I loved it. So uh, it's a combination of, of things, but I think it just goes back to Facebook doesn't have to agree with everybody. Mm-hmm. It can do whatever it wants. Right. It's a private company. They have their own plan, their own agenda. Just like car companies that, companies. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Long answer, but... Okay. Has the Trump campaign had any comments? Because the Obama campaign, they're bragging about it. Did the Trump people say, we're really proud of the work we did with Cambridge Analytica, or have they kind of distanced themselves from what Cambridge Analytica did? has said and done? Well, yes and no. So uh, they didn't make any comments at the time that they were using that firm because they assumed it was common practice. This is just what you do. Facebook exists to collect information. If this is your first time hearing that, or if this is like a hard truth, that's that's just the way it is. There's no other reason why a company would provide a service like this if it wasn't gathering audience data. He has this plethora, and it's genius. It's a great idea. You you have everybody voluntarily giving information about themselves, about mm-hmm. their likes, dislikes, and you can see based on the posts that they share what type of people they are and what kind of products appeal to them. Mm-hmm. And again, that's that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of it. You don't have to be part of that. You can not join. So. Um, I, I don't think that they were bragging about it at the time. When it got called out, Trump made a comment about it in a tweet. Uh, he was like bragging about it. Where he was basically saying, you know, you didn't think I could do this, and I did it. Where he was bragging at that point about using Facebook and Twitter and all of these social channels to let people know about what he was doing, about his stances on things, about whatever else. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So at the time, I think it was more considered a common practice because when Obama used it, when his campaign used Facebook, this is not the first time that Facebook has sold information or provided information or worked with specific groups to target people. I mean, that's a common practice. And so I think it kind of reached its head with this last scandal just because it's like, wait a minute, how come you're doing this? Like, they're doing it because they can. Interesting. Do you think social media will get to a point in the future? You said you can just not partake in it. But I mean, like the Internet is now really not just a luxury. It's a necessity for for life in 2018. Do you think we'll ever get to the point where social media is necessary for businesses, for, for individuals, and therefore people will say, we have to regulate it like a public utility, like people are trying to regulate the Internet with um, net neutrality? Do you think we'll get to that point? Uh, it's possible. I don't... So social media is not a fad. It's not something that it is not a fad. Okay, absolutely not. There's, as I was saying in the uh, cast, I was just when I was talking about the psychological effect of social media. There's an addiction component to this, and it was designed that way. When Facebook hit all these scandals earlier this year, 
I get a lot of questions from people in my industry about, do you think this is the end of Facebook? Is Facebook going to go away? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I told everybody, no, it's not because there's nothing to replace it. People are not going to stop using Facebook because suddenly Facebook's in the news and people are mad. They're still going to share stuff. In fact, they probably shared about it on Facebook. Probably. So it's, <laughs> I know I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I did too. So it's just like I, I did it because I was like, well, duh, of course they're sharing information or they're selling information. So, I mean, do, do I think it's a fad? Do I think it's going to go away? No, I think it's going to continue to evolve. And uh, I do think it does serve a, a good purpose. Sure. It, it, it certainly has its parts of it that are good. And I think it can be used in a great way. But it's just kind of like the more people use it, the more it will grow and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's not won't stop. All right. Uh, we'll come back to, is it good if there's time at, <laughs> the, uh, at the end? Be, not, not, <laughs> what, what can it be used for good? Two other issues that are kind of, that kind of tie together. Everyone is talking about fake news. I mean, from the time the president first really made it popular to call something fake news with that press conference with Jim Acosta saying, you are fake news. Now Facebook and Twitter and all the other uh, social channels are trying to combat fake news, trying to have only verified news sources and things like that. And so people are, are worried about fake news. You know, how do I know what this actually, whether this is genuine? And then kind of dovetailing to that, you have the whole issue of cyberbullying. As a teacher, I see instances of cyberbullying on social media all the time, and I hear about it even more. Kids saying, you know, these people are saying horrible things, doing horrible things because of what is being said on social media. So I guess my question to you is, what role do we as individuals have in taking responsibility for what we see and for what we post on our various social media channels? Mm, That's a good question. So I think the role that we have to take, first of all, is understanding social media and the nature of it. Specifically going back to the psychological impact of social media, when somebody likes your post or when somebody reshares it or makes a positive comment about what you've said or an opinion you shared, you get a rush. It feels awesome. You feel validated. And in terms of fake news, you could be sharing a terrible opinion that's not based on any logic or facts. Mm -hmm. Both sides perpetuate this crap. And it's uh, some of it is engineered to get an emotional response. And so you respond emotionally and then people validate what you've said because you see a like or retweet or whatever Mm -hmm. else. And suddenly you don't question your opinion anymore. You don't have the opportunity to say, was I correct in my assessment? Did that make sense? Was that the right decision? Because you're lost in this feedback loop where you're being constantly validated or people are saying you're wrong. And then you look at the people who have validated you and you see like, no, I'm siding with them. The person who says I'm wrong is wrong. Yeah. He's Hitler. You know, it's just kind of like, it's, <laughs> it's just this terrible thing. So I think in terms of using social media, is the first part is understanding it, understanding its role. It's, it's highly likely that Twitter amplifies specific pieces of content depending on who's saying it. And so that's not a genuine social network that's designed to create a bubble. And in terms of that bubble, you have those feedback loops occurring over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the danger with that is suddenly you get a mob who's not going to be reasoned with, who's not going to be bargained with, who can, you can't say, well, that's that's actually incorrect. Yeah. So even if you bring them with, bring facts to them. Right, right. Just, you, you, you can bring no, facts. It's like, no, I, I refuse. Or, or they, they respond to other human beings. And I have done this too. So I am guilty of this 100% mm-hmm. in the past. I don't anymore. But you respond to the person, not as a person, but to the sentence itself. You don't see their humanity. Yeah. 
you would never talk to a person that way if right. you were having a conversation. I've done that too. Yeah. Yep. And so I think a lot of people are guilty of that. And it's kind of like how we talk to people in our cards. If you get cut off by somebody, it's like, <laughs> you son of it's like you would never actually say that to the person. But it's yeah, it's just a um, it's it's that type of of challenge is understanding the nature, who you're talking to, these are real people, and then understanding the environment. So Facebook okay. versus Twitter yeah. and all that stuff. So how do we protect going back to the cyber how do you how do you protect kids? And really, is it, and the broader question, is it all on us as individuals or does do we need to get government involved? Do we need to get churches or other private organizations involved to monitor and, and I don't want to say control social media? Yeah. I think in terms of somebody's rights being violated, mm-hmm. there needs to be oversight. Okay. So in terms of like if somebody took photos of some girl at school in the like, locker room – that's illegal. Yeah. You, you, that should not be allowed to, to, and, to be and, and that usually is, is immediately taken down. Yeah. That if it Hopefully. Violated, yeah. 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 So, but the challenge but like is cyberbullying, like, oh, you should go kill yourself. I don't, I don't know of a way to legislate against that. My biggest piece of advice to parents and teachers is don't let your kids on really? in general. Yeah. Because go back to the psychological impact, mm-hmm. the feedback loop. What kind of behaviors do you want to ingrain in your kids or your students? Yeah. Like, what's the benefit of social? There is a benefit, but is there a possibility that kids of a certain age won't know how to tap into that and just be insulted from yeah. far away? If adults can't control themselves <laughs> with social media tools, can kids? You know, I, I don't know. Right. So, I mean, I the biggest testament to me is the fact that these tech giants, Bill Gates... And other social media executives don't allow their kids on these networks. Yeah. Everyone has said that. Steve mm-hmm. Jobs wouldn't allow them on there. It's it's a reality. They yeah. create these things. And Jobs didn't. But I mean, just like they create these tools and then they say, well, these may not be great for yeah. my kid. So that, that should tell us something. Okay. Do you think it's an age issue or do you think it's individual maturity? Like if you if you could talk to the parents who are listening to this, would you say until they're 16 or, or 18 or whatever? Or I would, would say, you say, you know your kids, be willing to tell them no until yeah, I, you know they're ready? I'm not prepared to say like one age is better than okay. any other. But I, I think like for me, my kids are going to be 18. Before, really? Yeah. Because again, like what do I want them to learn? Social media right. inherently basically is a giant selfie. I mean, you want people to see, you want people to see you, what you're doing, what, what you think. I don't want my kids to have that habit. And that's, that's my choice. It's just thinking of the habits. And again, the scientific facts behind how the brain works when it's engaged with sharing about yourself. I mean, it's fundamentally changed our society. So I don't, yep. I don't want it to do that more <laughs> in a bad way. Okay. That was really good. So what are the benefits to, to social media for individuals, for companies, for society as a whole? I think one of the biggest things is, you can relate to people in real time in a positive way. Assuming so, you're actually relating to the person and not the content correct. they create. And that's the kicker. People who insult usually don't relate to the person. They relate to the message or the ideology. If somebody's having a problem or somebody's going through something, it's like, hey, I'm really depressed today. I need help. Likely, the response is going to be positive. And so that's where you're not alone here. You have assistance. You have support. For brands... It's even harder. Like, how does a brand reach somebody? Because people don't go onto social media to have their minds changed. They go to right. have their opinions validated based on the science. Say, say, anyway. say that again, because that's, I think, the most profound thing you've said this entire... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, so, because we think of social media as, oh, you know, I have students who they go on there to learn about history, which terrifies me. Yeah. I mean... Because there's a billion opinions. Oh, my gosh. There, yeah. There's revisionists. There's, there's literal... There's all yeah. kinds of... People don't go on to social media to have their minds changed. They go on to social media to have their opinions validated. 
You should all retweet that. (laughs) Retweet that immediately. (laughs) So you go in with a preconceived notion or idea. And even if somebody, quote, changes your mind, there was at least one element of that that you agreed with before you started. Because, again, you're going there to share about yourself. Mm -hmm. That's why you're there. Be like, well, I'm going to see, well, I'm going to share everybody what my thought is on this or what I'm trying to do now. So, so with brands, like if a company wants to reach their consumer base, they have an opportunity to tap into the reason that the brands exist. So brands exist to solve problems. The brand's ability to communicate their solution to the audiences that have that specific problem is their bridge. As an example, I did a study years ago where we analyzed about 300,000 tweets and we just went through and and saw which tweets were successful from brands. And we used several different brands, Mm -hmm. none of which I will (laughs) divulge here. They haven't sent us a check. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But I mean, and also they didn't take our advice, but anyway. Oh, okay. (laughs) Great. But uh, it was a... Was uh, this at your current job? No, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, We analyzed, like, they were tweeting out things about sales. Like, we have a dryer sale this weekend or we have a dryer sale during the fourth or something like that. Those tweets weren't doing very well. It's because no one cares. Like <laughs> instead, there are there are wonderful tools out there to search for people who are saying, my dryer broke, hashtag sucks or something. Engage with those people. Be like, what happened? Mm-hmm. It's just a simple, simple question rather than be like, we're going to sail. Like, yeah. No one cares. Like, well, and we did this. We actually worked it out and said, well, the belt broke. It's like, really? Well, how old is your dryer? It's about 20 years old, 18 years old. It's like, man, that, that thing's lasted a long time. <laughs> we do have this part there that you, you can replace it. But you know what? We also have a sale this weekend. And it sounds like your dryer put in a lot of time. That's a different kind of transit. So it's a I'd be more likely to buy. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a different type of thing. So that's that's the bridge for brands and for people. As I said, it's like you can post encouragements. You can post support. You have the opportunity to connect with millions of people. Mm-hmm. So let's do it in a positive way. Yep. That makes sense. That's that's the only thing I do on Twitter is engage with, with companies that I've worked with, with an airline, especially recently. They were fantastic. And I told them, they're like, oh, great. You know, we're, we're, we're happy to help. Let us know if we can help you in the future. And I plan on using that airline for all future AG yeah. travel. It's fantastic. I'll yeah. give them a plug. It's, it's United Airlines. They're fantastic, despite their reputation. Yeah. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Closing thoughts you have about social media? Any tools that you would recommend? Uh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of great tools I use. So Moz.com has a great website tool that allows you to analyze just uh, everything on, on your site, SEO, all of that, inbound, outbound links. It's fantastic. If you don't want to spend any money, Hootsuite is a great tool. Mm-hmm. It's free. Also, a service called TweetDeck is mm-hmm. a great one. There, there's a lot of and these are all to use social media for good rather than bullying Absolutely. Google, but to engage, yeah. to and, engage with the and, audience. And the Moz plug specifically for the websites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're just fantastic at that because if you're communicating something on social, it's probably anchored on your site. All right. Well, and speaking of social media, you can all find us on Facebook at Academic Excellence in Travel. We hope you will engage with us there. Positively. Positively. Yes, <laughs> yes. Always positively. Thank you for joining us for our discussion of time and attention. I'm Joe Parker. And I'm John Streeter. See you next week.